Debbie Shearwater has been leading trips for many years. Hannah and Eric go on one, and then they get some beers. Yes, we did. So thank you all for tuning in to Hannah and Eric Go Birding, a podcast by birders for birders. I'm Hannah, and he's Eric. And we bring you this podcast to share, share our adventures with you and our misadventures. Kind of 50-50 there. Um, and our opinions that we have about birding topics. Uh, we are definitely not experts. Anything that we discuss that might be controversial, just keep in mind that it's our own opinions, and they might be different from yours. Yeah. <laughs> so, this week, some birding news? No birding news? <laughs> of course there's birding news. Oh, there's usually birding news. Yeah, and this week it's like good birding news, too, that makes me even more jealous. So, um, there's some birds that have been seen in places where they're not usually seen. As usual, um, <laughs> this time there has been a rough scene in California, Ontario, and Oregon, and we're not in Oregon, so nope. we are a couple miles from Oregon right now. Yeah, just a so. just a quick, you know, fourteen hour plane ride. Um, there's also some things that are being seen in Alaska, of course. So sharp-tailed sandpipers are being seen there, marsh sandpipers, sleepyback gull. Um, Siberian ruby throat, red flank blue tail, white wagtail, red throated pipit. White so, wagtail? Yeah. Uh, we've been having those all over the place. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> They're all over in Sweden, so I yeah. don't need to go to Alaska. So I think you should definitely turn off your rear bird alert when we're not in the country. Yeah. <laughs> um, Arizona has also had some things black capped gnatcatcher, um, tropical perula, rufous crab. Rufus capped warbler. Rufus capped warbler? Yeah. All right. Not a Rufus crap warbler. <laughs> um, and then surprisingly, New Jersey, which I never really think of. Like, I know Cape May is there, but I never really think of it as a birdie place. Yeah. And um, lately they've had a curly sandpiper and a little egret. So hmm. they're getting some things out there, too. Yeah, that's fun. It's exciting. Yeah. Fall migration. Hitting yeah. it hard. Yes, definitely. And... We'll talk about this in later episodes, but we're in Sweden right now, and we've had a lot of red-footed falcons that are... Well, we've um, had one. Well, yeah, but it's but, eroptive. Like, yeah. everybody is like, oh, you gotta see they're the red-footed falcon. They're everywhere, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's everywhere. It's not just America. It's just that I have easy access to the America rarities, so... It's easy to see America rarities. Yeah, at least for me. So... Aside from rarity news, um, I guess we don't, we didn't, I don't remember seeing any reviews or ratings come in. Sad face. Well, there's a couple, we're recording this a couple days early, so some may, might come in that missed the deadline. <laughs> the arbitrary <laughs> deadline. Strict deadline, you stick to it. <laughs> um, there also wasn't any questions that came through on this one, so yeah, bird news is a little, a little weak this time. That's okay. But... Yeah. Like usual, if we see one, we'll shout it out. So feel free to review us. Um, we'll only say the good ones. Just kidding. We'll say criticism too, because everybody needs criticism and but, feedback. But I delete those in the editing process, so, oh, so no one gets to hear them. Would you delete them before <laughs> I saw them? <laughs> Anyways, so there has been a huge piece of news that's come out in the last couple days. So you lied. There, it, we do have more birding news. Well, yeah, but it's not relevant to us. Oh, okay. it's just relevant to birds. Just birds. Yeah, and so you've probably seen this on Facebook. I don't really want to share it on our Facebook page because I saw it like everywhere else, and so it was like just adding to the, you know, the um, blah blah blah. I'm, well, I'm sure if, if anyone follows us on Facebook, they probably follow a number of other groups. Yeah. So they probably everyone's been inundated with this uh, this three million birds article. Yeah. So if you haven't seen it, um, we'll post it on the show notes. But it's this uh, this report that came out on well, it's a it's a study that was reported to the journal Science that wild mm -hmm. bird populations in the continental U.S. and Canada have declined by more than 30 species uh, since 1970. So we have lost a huge amount of bird species in the U.S. and in, in this area, and that's due to just a number of things. But the weird thing is it's like split, uh, or it's, um, it isn't like all birds overall. Like some birds are doing, some bird species are like doing really well. But some of them have declined, like, significantly. Like, I think part of the study was that one in four blue jays has been lost in the really? since 1970. That's, see, that, that's a surpri surprising one of the, 
of the birds that I would think, because blue jays are often near human habitations, mm -hmm. so I feel like they would be able to kind of deal with all the horrible things we do, garbage and stuff but like that. But they're also subject to that stuff, too. They're directly, so that's true. Yeah, they're, so if they're, because they're eating there, the garbage, yeah. then they're getting plastic, you know, in their bodies, potentially, mm -hmm. or other, or pesticides, or herbicides, or something mm -hmm. like that. The neonics. Yeah, that was another article that came out recently about neonics, which yeah. I didn't look at. So we'll have to look at that and put I, I, in the show notes. I remember looking over it a little bit. I'll, I'll probably put it in the show notes. Um, but then there are, like I said, there are some species that are doing better, like turkeys. Um, it looks like their population <laughs> has increased over 400,000. No. 400,000. That, yeah, that would be a lot. 400,000. 4,000%. 4, oh, percent. Oh, my gosh. 400,000 percent. Yeah. 400, Stop it. 4,000. 4,000 percent. That's still a lot. Yeah. So, anyways, we'll post the articles. Well, one of them, like I said, there's many of them. Like, every different news source has their own article about it. But um, it's a just really shocking study. And I know there's been many people who are upset about it. Uh, because obviously it's upsetting. Like, I don't want to lose birds. Like, one less blue jay, you know, in four over time, that really adds up. And, you know, maybe the fourth person won't see that blue, see a blue jay because one's missing. Yeah. Um, it's, well, it's just, it's a lot of birds. Like, yeah. Like, I think, I think I said three million when I... I think it's three billion. <laughs> it's three billion with a B, not with a, <laughs> not with a B, with a B. Yeah. Yeah. So... It's, it's a lot of birds and that's just the ones that we can attribute through the study, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that was, there was data or through the there. studies. Yeah. There were, there was a lot of data taken from like Christmas bird counts mm -hmm. and, uh, breeding bird surveys that went into this. So these long-term studies that we've been assisting with and a lot of our listeners and other people, but like, all of you out there have worked. Yeah. With. So, I mean, if you're ever wondering like what. Is it, you know, things that I do, is that actually impacting something? This shows that, yes, what you're doing with Christmas bird counts or eBird, that is impacting something. It it's, brings us some depressing news. I was going to say, <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> um, but if that data didn't exist, then we wouldn't even know. Well, we, we would just have the anecdotal evidence of people that have been birding since, like, the I'm, 70s. And I used to see pelicans here. Exactly. Oh, but I haven't seen a pelican here for 100 years. Exactly. Yeah. Well, the, the anecdotal of, like, somebody that birded in the 70s, and they're like, oh, well, the flocks are only half as big as they were in the 70s. Yeah. But now these are numbers from CBC's breeding bird surveys, all these, to say, yeah, they're... They're 25% smaller. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's it's not half, it's 25%, but that's a significant number of yeah. birds to be less and definitely noticeable. So, um, like on the, not bright side of that, but on the where can you steer, can you help? yeah, how can you like take your anger and like drive it towards something good? Um, Cornell Lab, one of our favorite sources, um, which Eric now donates a very small portion to because we... I finally, I finally pulled the trigger and <laughs> had my wallet at the same time as I was in front of the laptop. And <laughs> which I, is never a good combination. Yeah. That you end up in late night purchases and Amazon. stuff. Amazon purchase whatever. But I, I took the plunge and now I, I donate to, to Ebert. Yeah. Because which... that last episode we decided we wanted to, you know, put our money where our mouth is, I guess. And I know Eric. Is that why I did it? I don't know why you did it. Well, I just remember I had my wallet and I was You're feeling guilty. I think that last episode made you feel guilty. Probably. <laughs> You're not donating. <laughs> I've been feeling guilty. Maybe it just pushed me over the edge. I was just... That was too much guilt. But see, it's still... I, the minimum don't... The $10 a month, I think. Something like that. Yeah, it's... It's nothing, but it's something. Yeah. If everyone does it, then that's something. That adds up. Yeah, it helps, helps them work on their program and all that. All the stuff that I take advantage of for free. Seriously. <laughs> um... So anyways, they put together, the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, they put together seven simple actions to help birds, um, and they're probably things that you have heard or seen online, like, over, time, like, you know, years and years, but just to reiterate, so it's in front of you, um, number one, make windows safer, and that's during the day and during the night. And if you want to know how to do that, we have an episode about that. Yes, I think it was, like three or four episodes ago with Heidi Trudell. Um, mm -hmm. She's the bird window collision guru. Definitely mm -hmm. listen to that. 
and um, learn to make windows safer. Uh, number two, keep cats indoors. I think we might have discussed that with Heidi too. Possibly. And this is something <laughs> I feel like we have recently seen on Facebook pages, like people talking about like cats want to go outside and cats want to chase down mice or whatever. Like, yeah, sure. Cats seem very happy when they're outside. Like we have two cats. Rosie well, they're and predators, so of course they're happy hunting. Well, and I know our cats would be very happy outside because we have a rabbit outside that they <laughs> like want to chase after and there's birds outside that they want to chase after. But our cats, I know they're perfectly fine inside. They get fed, they have interaction, they, they have can look tons outside. Of, tons of interaction inside. They and and they're help, and they're safe when they're inside. Yeah, they're we, not going to get run over, they're not going to get some disease from a raccoon or diseases that are just kind of out there. We had a cat get eaten by a coyote when I was yeah. a kid. Like back back before I was a birder, <laughs> we had cats outside because that's I, just well, how I grew up. I, I grew up with outdoor cats too. And that's, we didn't... We, we didn't think twice some, about it. Yeah, we, we never thought twice about it. I'm sure the general population of people is just kind of like... That's yeah, what you do. That's what you do. But we, we know better now. Yeah. It's better for the cats, better for the birds. It's, so please, it's all good. <laughs> please consider it. If you have outside cats, like, I know it seems like they're super happy outside and everything. And when they, like, when you bring them inside, they sit by the back door and just cry and cry and cry. But, like, please, for the birds. And, you know, for cat safety. Like, it was really heartbreaking that we had a cat get eaten by a coyote. Um, so number three. Off, off, that, uh, <laughs> off that topic. <laughs> reduce lawns and plant natives so that's a growing trend um number four avoid pesticide use number five drink bird friendly coffee mm. will we fail in this yes costco i don't think sources their coffee from bird friendly sources well maybe we'll maybe put a, maybe we'll put something on facebook like what's your favorite bird friendly yes. coffee so think about it and we'll post that yeah. and tell us Maybe we'll send you a sticker. <laughs> We've um, got stickers to send. Yeah. Number six, protect our planet from plastic. And there are just a ton There's of different ways. There's a million ways to do that. Yeah. So, I mean, you can start with, uh, you know, refusing straws at restaurants and trying... Bringing your own shopping bag. Or... Or not yeah. using any bag at all. Just carry it when you have... Or not buy bottled water yeah. all oh the time. Oh my gosh, bottled water. Yeah. Um, number seven, watch birds and share what you see. I think that's, that's probably the easiest one <laughs> out of the whole, out of the whole bunch. The, the, le the, like the least amount of work to put into that one. Just go outside, look at birds and tell people that are walking by you. Hey, look at that bird. That's a cool bird. Yeah. So we'll post that <laughs> list on the show notes. Um, uh, it has a lot of good resources and more information about each of those bullet points. Um, uh, but definitely do something in your daily life to help birds. Yeah, because birds are important. We all like birds. Yeah. Or else, why why would you be here? Why, yeah. Because you just love our voices. That's so sweet. <laughs> I don't think anyone ever said that. I like you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Last um, piece of bird, note, bird news. Um, so I've been giving shout outs to our top listener cities for our previous episodes. And this one is one of my favorite cities. Um, for this last episode, our episode about birding organizations. Yes, with, with Diana Byrne. Yep. Um, so our top... Byrne? Byrne? Oh, man. That's embarrassing. <sighs> I'm so embarrassed. Our, <laughs> the city that listened to us the most, I don't, like, I feel like that sentence is always convoluted. I don't know how to, like, say it clearly. That's all right. Anyways. Sentences don't need to make sense. <laughs> basically. Anyways. The city is San Luis Obispo, California, which is one of my favorite places. So shout out to you guys. Um, and your monarch migration. Yes, definitely. <laughs> if you haven't been there for it, it's amazing. And uh, we can't wait to go back again someday because it's so pretty. I yeah. love the California coast. I've only been there once for just a couple hours. It was nice. You got flooded out in your tent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I don't remember it being bad, so... It must have not been a bad flood out. Yeah, probably not. I, I probably didn't get too wet, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, moving on to the, the meat of this episode, um, we just went on, or we just flew down to San Francisco before we're at where we're at now. Mm -hmm. Flew down to San Francisco en route to the rest of this and went on a pelagic burning trip. 
So let's start over with that. Okay. So there's this woman. <laughs> I'm jumping ahead. There's this woman <laughs> named Debbie Shearwater who I like knew nothing about except for I watched The Big Year because that's our that back in 20 big movie 2012 when it came out 2013 whenever it came out whenever it came out we watched The Big Year we watched <laughs> it and there was this woman on a boat that was played by Angelica Houston and all the guys that were trying to do The Big Year and win The Big Year they all go on her pelagic tours and like there's a cutscene in one part of it to Owen Wilson where he like is trying to steer the boat away to like go. He's like, who cares about whales? And tries to steer the boat away to go. Because he's trying to take over the trip. Yeah, to go see some other bird. And, you know, in the story, she kicked him off the boat or, you know, like detained him yeah, or whatever. says, no, you're done. That's this it. is my tour. Exactly. And like, Put I the thought, down. yeah, I thought that woman is the coolest. She is like, BA and just like hardcore and like I want to meet her. And she, then she I, knows her stuff, and she's like straightforward <laughs> and right to the point and not gonna put up put up with anything. She doesn't take crap. Yeah. And so at, <laughs> in the show in the movie, her name's Annie Ocklet, and then I found out that she is portraying a real life person named De Debbie Shearwater, and I was like, oh my gosh, I have to meet this person. She sounds so awesome and so cool, and I just like by chance friended her on Facebook a couple years ago because we had a bunch of mutual friends and that's how Facebook works now. <laughs> and I, you know, just followed her Facebook and she is super cool and like, you know, um, like hardcore. Like, I mean, she's not nearly as mean as Annie Auckland. <laughs> I don't think so, at least. <laughs> well, you didn't try to steer the boat. That's you, true. You, you didn't try, you didn't try to like, take over the, the trip. I feel like I knew the rules <laughs> going into it. But anyways... She was in this movie and just like super cool and like just this woman that's like in a man's world, um, which of course is terrible to say, you know, that Birdie is a man's world because it's not, but she had been leading pelagic tours for years and years and years before like women were up there in the birding community and she started this Facebook page, The World Girl Birders, which I have talked about endlessly because <laughs> it's super meaningful to me and she's out there like um she's out there promoting women and bird watching and doing what she can to try to encourage women to get into birding or you know promote themselves in it because it's it's hard it's hard to be a woman <laughs> well it's it's hard to hard to promote yourself and she's she's all about like like equality and making sure that everyone has a has an even voice. So it's at least that's the way it seems based on World Girl Birder. This and is all we our perception. We we don't really know her personally. No. But but through the magic of Facebook, yeah, I feel like I do. Feel like we're best friends. <laughs> but anyways, so last year we got wind that this was her this 2019 was going to be her final year of leading these tours with Shearwater Journeys, these pelagic trips. And these pelagic trips out of Monterey are like legendary. So we were like, we have to get on one. And it just turned out that, you know, our flight to, to Sweden was going to work in such a way that we could. Mm -hmm. So we like booked it right when we could. Yes, yeah, so I think it was a couple days after it opened that she, she opened up the 2019 fall schedule. Yeah. It was, we, we already knew our schedule, kind of. And so we're like, okay, we can do this one. Mm -hmm. And so it was like three days after it opened, we booked it. Like it was, it was done. So it was serendipitous. Yeah. And then I heard, I heard that she sold, com she completely sold that one out by, like she opened up at the beginning of May and by the middle of May, she was completely sold out. Which is unheard of for her. Yeah. And this whole rest of her season, I heard is sold out completely. Um, because it's her last season, she has so many friends they want to come for her last season and the trip that we were on was actually her birthday trip yeah. <laughs> which i kind of feel bad about it's like well we don't really know you but we're celebrating our, your birthday <laughs> we're celebrating your birthday with you i should have brought cupcakes <laughs> but anyways yes. so she is a force to be reckoned with and i wanted to meet her and it worked out and we got on our plane to san francisco and it was late and really late <laughs> well it wasn't really late it was like an hour late it was well, I think we were a little bit more than an hour, but it was... Well, it they're was doing like, construction in San Francisco. Exactly. So, like, all the flights were, like, delayed because apparently 
Well, all, all short flights were delayed because they normally have two runways. And so they only had one runway running and priority was long distance flights. So any of the short flights, which Seattle, Portland, those sort of flights all count as short flights to San Francisco. They, th those ones are the ones that were put into holding patterns to fall into gaps. Mm -hmm. So we were delayed or both, actually both of our planes ended up being delayed. Yeah. So we ended up just a little bit later. We were planning on doing some birding, but we didn't land until after dark. So we just had to drive straight to the hotel. Yeah. So which is fine. Yeah. Dro drove, drove from San Francisco up to Monterey. About like what hour, hour and a half or so. Yeah. Something like that. Maybe like, two. <laughs> no, I think it was an hour and a half. But we checked into the Monterey Hotel, which is a very short walk down to um, where the, the Pelagic takes off. Mm -hmm. uh, it is an older hotel, which is something that I like. I like going to old hotels. Yeah, historic like hotels are nice. Yeah. I mean, they're usually They have funky. character. They do. <laughs> they do. Um, this one was rather small. <laughs> it was getting us prepared for the European hotels. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it was. But it was super close. Um, so we, like... Just couldn't sleep with anticipation. What, what time? We ended up... So we didn't need to get up until like 6. Yeah, the boat didn't go out, leave until 7. Yeah, so... Because we were like two-minute walk away from the away from the pier. So we didn't need to get up until like 6, but I think we were both up by 4. Yeah. <laughs> we were just, like, just like laying there awake like, all right, we're going to go. We're going like to go. It was like Christmas. <laughs> um, so anyways, got up. Starbucks is the only thing open. Went there. Yeah, I, th I think I think we went. We sat sat at Starbucks outside, just waiting for like an hour. <laughs> like we got to Starbucks at like five, and we're just sitting there waiting and waiting. Like, oh, I can, can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, um, walking down to the pier, uh, just you know, a few minutes before seven, and we were so excited to see one of our friends, Ron, there. Yeah. He flew in from Oklahoma to go on one of. Well, he went on two over tours. Yeah, he he went two days in a row, which. We, uh, we had other flights to catch, so we couldn't do two. Yeah, but we, like, chanced it. She was recommending that everybody take two. Yeah. Just in case, like, the first one's bad. Weather. So, yeah, so, um... <laughs> Weather can change in a heartbeat for a pelagic. And seriously. completely skunk you. Yeah. So, we got on boat at seven. Debbie had, like, a 30-minute safety talk sort of thing. You know, what we might see. You rules, know, rules of the boat. Rules of the boat. Um, very thorough. And then we were off and with the first stop, I mean, or it wasn't even a stop, but yeah. on our way out, like we saw a ton of stuff along that jetty. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm not super familiar with like the geographic features of Monterey Bay, but because I mean, I wasn't looking at a map the whole time. It was just kind of like, oh, I'm, I'm just along for the ride, looking at what the guide, looking at the birds, looking at what the guides are pointing out. Um, but tons of stuff. We had uh, the... There's tons of Brant's cormorants. There, there are Brant's on the... I think there are Brant's that were on the jetty. Yeah. Just completely covering the jetty. Yeah, it was Brant's. Yeah, they um, Marcel made the list and he has 221. Yeah, ton. The whole jetty was just covered in Brant's cormorants, which is, which is pretty cool to see that close because at Haystack Rock, they're like... Usually they're like pretty far away. Yeah. Like 50 or 60 feet. They're up the rock. They're up the rock. But these are, we, we can look down at them down to the jetty. It's, it was it was kind of exciting. Um, black turnstones were also right there. Mm -hmm. uh, there was um, some a guy chumming at the end of the boat, and <laughs> he um, would get the goals in pretty close. And Eric got some great pictures of Hearman's goals. Oh yeah, lot, lots of Hearman's goals. He was so the um, all the, the western goals that he was to tossing the um, the fish to, like it was just like little cut up herring, I think. Yeah. Um, it was um, herring that was harvested from Monterey Bay, I think. So, so there's there's some specific rules because of the um, the because it's a marine it's sanctuary. a marine sanctuary. So there's um, shearwater journeys is the only um, only trips in that area that are permitted to chum in any way, and they have a bunch of specific rules to follow, techniques, materials, stuff like that that they're required to follow in order to still chum and not get in trouble, and for the health of the marine sanctuary but so he's, he's out there toss, tossing the herrings up to the to the um western goals and they I don't, I don't know if i'm sure i'm sure you're familiar but birds don't like to bump into each other <laughs> but goals and and the guy chumming he he mentioned it also goals they run into each other actively a lot they they're flying back and forth and they'll full-on body slam each other in the air 
to try to cut to try to get him out of the way so that they could dive down and get that yeah. little little herring head that came out on him. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, so had those, had some marble godwits, red there were a ton of redneck foul ropes. Yeah. Lot, lots of good looks at them too. Yeah. So um of course the other cormorants and this was all just kind of trolling out to the to the yeah, still, bay. Still inside deep deep in, in the bay where there's no waves, no nothing. Oh, I didn't even talk about my my patch. Oh yeah. So yeah. after our <laughs> last pelagic and Eric threw up what after, was it four times? Well, after every trip I've been on a boat. Oh jeez. Um, but the last pelagic, I, the last pelagic, not this one, the, um, the one in Newport, in, 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 we, Newport. in one of our episodes I did, we talked about, I did pretty good. I threw up like four times, which for me is pretty good. Um, I did heavy doses of Dramamine and ginger before and then I still didn't do it, but, and so it still, it still stick a little bit, but this time after some suggestions from other people and Eric's willingness to try out other methods because yeah. he wanted to see if he could throw up more, throw up less. Yeah, which one? <laughs> more or less? We'll, we'll see. I tried the um, scopolamine patch. I, I went to a doctor, got a prescription, and which is super easy. You just go in and say, hey, I get really seasick, and I'm going to go on a boat. And they say, <laughs> here you go. okay, here you go. How many do you want? <laughs> Um, so I got, I got, I got some scopolamine patches. However, if you decide to go this route, um, just be advised that apparently most insurances don't, yes. um, cover it. Mine happened to, which but, is weird. Apparently. And the, the pharmacist and everyone was just like, oh my gosh, it covers it. Never get rid of this insurance. But generally it's not covered by your insurance and it's, it's fairly expensive. So just be aware. Just be aware. Yeah. But, um, and also talk to your doctor if that's what you're going to do. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> the, I, it worked. Yeah. It was amazing. Well, okay. I, well that plus some ginger. Because I, I, I was drinking some ginger ale okay. throughout the whole thing. However, I would just like to preface that also because, like, nobody on the boat threw up. That's true. So we, We've been on some where, we've been on some boat trips where everyone's throwing up the whole time and it's like you're the only one holding it together. Me? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that makes me feel good. <laughs> Anyways. There, there was, like, nobody throwing up on the boat, yeah. so I don't know if it was just, like, the water was really good. I'm going to keep saying it's the scopolamine. Keep it in my head. That that's what it was. And, okay. But, yeah, the water was really calm. Like, it was, I don't know, maybe five-foot swells. If even. Yeah. It really was a nice... Really didn't even have pleasant, to hold on the it, whole time. It was a nice, pleasant uh, boat trip. So, it, yeah. was, it was nice. The weather, But I didn't get way? sick, so... And by the way, it helped out that the weather was fantastic. Oh my gosh, like, so sunburned. Debbie wasn't super excited <laughs> about it because I said something about it to her. And she was hoping for, like, what, what was it, high cloud overcast. cover? Yeah, high, high, high cloud cover overcast. But it was, like, bright and sunny, like, coming from, like, fall Oregon and going into, this, <laughs> like, midsummer California was, like, fantastic. <laughs> and yeah. like Eric said, we both got sunburned. Yeah. And it, so the, the reason she wasn't too happy with it is because full sun provides bad lighting conditions. No, I totally get for, it. But, well, I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah. So full sun is going to provide bad lighting conditions. The, the high ceiling overcast is going to provide just really good for pictures and for just the lighting conditions would be better. Overall, mm-hmm. more light, but it's okay. It, it ended up, I think, I think it ended up good. Yeah, I do too. Um, after we got out a little further into the bay, right? Yeah. Well, okay. yeah. I'm su- I'm even looking at the maps and stuff. I had a hard time trying to tell exactly where we were. But they called out a blue whale, and like <laughs> before I got into birds, which was like when I was 19, like when I was a kid. My parents took me to aquariums all the time and like we went to SeaWorld because I loved the ocean and we saw JJ the whale, the gray whale that was, you know, recovered or or rehabilitated Mm -hmm. and sent out um, at SeaWorld, which was super exciting, but I've always wanted to see a blue whale. I remember in first grade, Mrs. Stanaway, like first day or something like that, we were talking about how many feet, a hundred feet was. And she walked us from the start of the classroom all the way out to the library until we got a hundred feet away from that first spot. And she said, this is how big a blue whale is. And it was like, holy crap. This is amazing. I can't believe things (laughs) get this big. So it was like, 
it was better than the birds that we got to see a blue whale. <laughs> like it was so exciting. Like I hate to turn it into like a whale trip, but like the whales were incredible. There's I have so never, many humpbacks. I have never seen oh whales gosh. like that before. It was amazing. Yeah, it was. It was intense. There was a ton. Well, it, it wasn't just whales too. We had um, like three different species of dolphins. Well, I don't care about the dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like the marine mammals. We had so many marine mammals and. We had a lot of good birds, but we also had a ton of marine mammals. The blue whales, the humpback whales, the white-sided dolphins, the two other species of dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> and the other ones. And the other ones. <laughs> but it, it was it was really good. Um, we Yeah, so we had just so many birds, and it was, it was a, what, six-hour, seven-hour trip? Yeah, something uh, like that. Yeah, so we, we saw the blue whale, and then right after that, they were like, oh, this is when all the other birds are going to go around where the blue whale is because it might be feeding. And, um, yeah, we saw some more cormorants, pelicans. Um, what else were around there? Of course, there were the little redneck phalaropes, like, just <laughs> kicking out there. Like, those guys are so sad. They're, like, song, like lost songbirds. I mean, obviously, well, it's like, they're it's not. Like, they're a shorebird. They're a shorebird, but it's it's so weird to see, like, so a... they're so tiny. Yeah, I feel like, yeah. little bird, <laughs> go somewhere safe. Well, we had that, I think, right around then is when we had the Merlin fly over. I think so. Yeah. It was just, like, way out, way out in the middle of the, middle of the bay, just a Merlin, just... Whoosh. By. And but, a hummingbird flew by too. Yeah. Uh, a hummingbird SP. Yeah. <laughs> Just um, went flying by. But there were some gray birds on the, the trip. We also saw rhinoceros oclet, which we've seen, you know, on mm -hmm. other pelagics. Pink footed cheerwater. That was a lifer, wasn't it? Pink footed? Yeah. Um, I no, we had pink footed at the, on the Newport. Oh, do we? Yeah, we had pink footed okay. on the Newport. Um, lots of city shearwaters, of course, those yeah. are like the first real seabird that you see, like, as you get further out, or yeah. the long distance migrant. Yeah, well, ones. and, and they're, they're the ones that you can often see, um, from, from, shore. from shore. So they're, they're the first, usually the first pelagic bird that you start seeing when you go out. Um, lots of, well, not lots, a handful <laughs> of black-footed albatross, they were hanging around, um, of course they, that... They kept following right behind the boat, like they were almost interested in, uh... The little herrings that he was tossing out, but I, I maybe it wasn't herring. I don't know. But the little fish he was tossing out, yeah. like the albatross were almost interested, but then, uh, but they, <laughs> but they would hang out long enough to get some pictures of them, and then they would swoop away. Um, also had a pomeranian Jaeger, uh, common Murs. There was one Sabine's goal, which was weird because on our other one we had like a whole flock of them. Well, we had it was the Sabine, Sabine's goals were or Sabins. Oh, sorry. Yeah, so yeah Sabin, Sabin's goals. I totally forgot. Um, but they uh, pronunciation. It was we we they were sporadic throughout the day. Yeah. Um, Arctic tern. That was also a lifer for us. Yeah, Arctic tern, surprisingly. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then the actually storm petrel. Um, just kind of. I mean, it was a storm petrel. Like I'm not gonna say I could ID it, like yeah, by myself, because like. I don't know. It was just, it was really far. It, take, it takes experience and like looking at, looking at it pretty frequently to get the, the different storm petrels apart. Yeah. And well, it's, that's the same with every bird. It's just a bird that, cause you don't go out on a boat that often. Exactly. Yeah. Um, long tail Jaeger. That was a good one yep, also. That was a lifer. Yeah. So we had a lot, we had tons of birds. Like yeah. our first project we went on out of Florida, we, we got like skunked. Mm -hmm. um, our one out of Newport. I really like that one because I feel like we weren't that far out and we had some great looks of birds. Like they were closer. Oh my gosh, super close birds. But this one, Newport. this one, there were like more birds. I mean, they weren't yeah. coming in close, but there were just like a ton of them. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know. It was a great trip. Yeah. So we, we ended up with three lifers for the trip. Yep. And a total of 34 species from dock to dock. Mm -hmm. So... I, I think that's that's pretty good for a, a trip list, like 34 species. Oh, yeah, totally. I'm sure she, she, Debbie probably has lists that are probably, some days she goes out and there's 70. And just oh. like crazy numbers. And well, then, and uh, and then has, other times that there's like five. Yeah, like, I mean, that's why she recommends that you do two of them. Exactly. So I, I think ours was, ours was good. The weather was pleasant. <laughs> Not great for the birds, but pleasant. And... The birds were pretty good. We had, we had lots of them. And it was just an absolute joy to meet Debbie. I mean, I, she probably doesn't feel the same about meeting us. 
<laughs> she probably doesn't remember because we're just two two other people on her 400th pelagic or 500th pelagic. So yeah, but really, I mean, yeah, and it was her birthday, yeah. so she's you know wants to hang preoccupied out with, with all that. Yeah, I'm sure. But it was just it was really meaningful to meet her as somebody who um, is inspired by her. So. Yeah, thank you, Debbie. Gosh, that was a great trip. And thank you to the trip leaders and the um, everybody else and on the ship. ship. And the ship hands and the, and the captain and every, everyone that uh, helped make that day as successful as it was. Yeah, and um, it sounds like they don't know what's going to happen with Shearwater Journeys after Debbie retires. Um, I literally know nothing about it. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> if uh, somebody else takes it on, that would be super cool and I'd be down to go on another one. Yeah, so we got to land, yes. and we had gotten wind of um, a red-footed booby. Do you guys was... remember Laura Paulson from our um, our Marvel Mirrorlet episode? Yeah, Marvel Mirrorlet. She messaged us, and she was like, "Hey, apparently there's a red. Uh, not apparently. <laughs> there's a red. <laughs> she was seeing it. <laughs> there's a red-footed booby at the state park that I host at. So we we're like jetted up there to go see if we could find it." Yeah, so we raced up there um, after the Pelagic and met her, talked to her for a few minutes, hung out, hung out at her, at her, uh, at her host site there, got to catch up and have a nice long conversation, but <laughs> the red-footed booby had flown about, I think she said it was like a half hour before... We got there. <laughs> no, it was a half hour before we texted her saying we're on the way. Oh, okay. So it wasn't... It wasn't as bad as a half hour before we got there, but still an hour before we got there is just as bad as a half hour. It flew, flew, it being gone, it being gone is the same thing. So yeah. uh, we didn't, didn't quite get to see it. Maybe maybe we'll see it some other time. Maybe we'll see another red food booby somewhere. But it was fun to talk to Laura. Yeah, it was really and, fun to catch up. And see her. Um, it's always, that's the cool thing about having like friends, like birding friends is that they're kind of spread out. You, you never know where you're going to meet him again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we originally met um, Laura down in Texas at the Rio Grande mm -hmm. Festival. We saw her in Oregon. Saw her in year. Oregon. Now we're seeing her in California. So we're, <laughs> it's just where we just go around. We just see someone we know. I think besides like people I'm related to, she's probably the only person that I've met in three different states. <laughs> <laughs> We've met Ron, Ron in two states. So it's close. That's true. He's, he's good. He's number two. He's, he's number two. <laughs> so um, we cut our losses and headed back to our hotel, um, yeah. which was right on kind of the main street of Monterey. No, no, it's not because it's not by um, Fisher. It's not by Canary Row. No, it's no, no. Uh, away from town. But there's like a street right there. I think it was called Alvarado um, Street, and there were like tons of restaurants and lots yeah. of stuff going on. And there was a brewery that was like a block away, so we were like... Which is calling our name. Yes, let's get some beer. We spent all day on a boat, and then we drove up and got skunked with a bird. We so sipped like, on a bird. Well, you know what? We deserve a beer for putting up with not seeing another bird. Yeah. So, um, went to Alvarado Street Brewing. It was really good. We had... We, you had a burger. I think I had mm -hmm. like a chicken sandwich or something. Yeah, the burger was really good. It was, I had like, like a cheese sauce or something on it. I had, oh, a sour, I had a fruity sour beer that was so good. <laughs> like, I wanted a second one, but I was tired. It, it had been a long day. Yeah. So the next morning, yeah, next morning. Um, we had some other birds that we had targeted that we wanted to see. Our California list is rather sparse. Yeah, we've spent most of our time Texas, Florida, and Oregon. Yeah. So we needed to, needed to do a little bit of filling out, getting some California specialties, getting some... Filling out a little bit of the counties and filling up the state of California, I guess, yeah. with some so, lists. Um, so there is a lot of information, especially Debbie lives in an area. Debbie Shearwater lives, and like I said, we're Facebook friends, so I see all <laughs> our eBird lists that she, she posts. She had all these lists that, like, a couple days before we went, they were like, oh, there's an oak tip mouse here, California condor here. So I just kind of, like, followed her list. And I think we basically followed her itinerary for one of her days out birding. Yeah, which is interesting. Based on eBird. <laughs> I'm sending eBird money, so I mean, that's... That's something. That's something. Um, so the first spot that we had identified that we were going to go to was called La Gloria Road, and it's out near Pinnacles National Wildlife... Or National, National Park. Park. Um, and on the way out there, because it was like an hour, hour and a half or so drive from Monterey, uh, we 
saw a couple, you know, we're driving through farmland and like little towns and we saw a couple different species that we needed, like the yellow-billed magpie. That was like real easy yeah. <laughs> to find that guy. I mean, they're just like out there. Like, yeah. Being magpies. <laughs> yeah. So that was really easy. Um, you know, just filled out some of the regular things that we needed, like Brewer's Blackbird and Red Winged Blackbird yeah, for you know, those counties. Just the normal parking lot birds and like the the birds that are like always around. Yeah. Just trying to make make a few incidentals. We stopped. Um we stopped somewhere because we saw a hawk fly over. Was it Trace Pinos? No, no, no. It was after that. We, where we saw, I think it was a kestrel flying. Uh-huh. And so I was like, oh, I'll pull over here and we'll make a list. So we pulled over to try to make just an arbitrary list. I was like, all right, we've got to stay still five minutes stationary to, to make it a complete checklist. And we stood there for like a minute and a half. Silence. And I was like, there's nothing. We, we heard one um, metal art calling. And the kestrel was long gone, so I was like, all right, well, we're just standing here for nothing. It was like in somebody's driveway, too. Yeah, so. kind of felt awkward about it, so that became a two-minute incidental. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, we when we got just before La Gloria Road, let me say that clearly, La Gloria, like the name Gloria Road. La Gloria. Because I feel like I'm muttering it. Um Probably like everything else I say on this podcast. <laughs> My mom seems to think I have a lisp on this podcast, so I apologize for that. There's no lisp. I'll try to enunciate more clearly. Um, you're welcome, Bev. <laughs> <laughs> but on the way out, there was road construction, so we had to wind through. It was like shut down. It's like a little country highway. It was shut down to a one-lane road. Mm-hmm. And... We, like, could not find La Gloria Road at all. Because <laughs> it was in the middle of that construction. And it looked like a driveway. So, like... it's. I still think it's a driveway. I don't know. <laughs> we went, like, five miles on it. That's true. We went way back. Yeah. Um. There are two Ebert hotspots on that, that road. So, I kind of think it's not. And it doesn't say restricted access. And there was no... It said no trespassing, like, on think, either side of the road. It, I think that's for... After you go on the side of the road. Yeah, I don't but, think that's for the road itself. But there's like a cattle guard <laughs> that you have to like drive over. Anyways, uh. so you'll t- if you go, you turn right. There's a couple like oak trees mm-hmm. like right next to the road. And that's where we picked up like oak titmouse. Acorn woodpecker family just hanging out. Yep. Doing their thing. Being loud. I don't, I don't think I got any recordings or pictures. Oh, I think I got a couple pictures. Yeah. But it was like, it was just such a surprise and we're all of a sudden, we're, we're into birds like immediately. And it's like, oh my gosh, I'm not, I don't have anything ready. So that <laughs> my binoculars a, are still put away. That was a really good spot. Um, so we stopped there and tried to determine whether or not that it was private property and just decided to say screw it and drove down it. Like the whole... Like, like the Swedish. <laughs> we'll talk more about that in future episodes. Um, but anyways, we decided to just like head down and see where that ends so we just slowly drove up the road uh, like i said like i think it ended up being like three and a half miles that yeah. we drove up but we went windows down pulling over every like 10 feet and standing out, out of the car for like another 15 minutes <laughs> yeah. and then get in the car just to drive forward 10 feet and get back out but we got like we got tons of stuff on this road um there were wild turkey like in a farm that were right across from the right right at the intersection yeah um, acorn woodpeckers that Eric was talking about, western wood peewees, there was a loggerhead shrike, uh, a couple different jays, crows, the titmouse, which, mm-hmm. like you said, are lifers. We also, so, like we said, we haven't really birded California a lot, so a lot of these lifers, you might be like, oh, yeah, not yeah, that sorry. great, but whatever. I mean, you have to get them at some point. They're awesome life. birds. It they was are. California thrasher, bell sparrow, oak titmouse, those are all really cool looking birds. Yeah. I know. I just, you know, sometimes it's like <laughs> you haven't gotten that yet. Yeah, you, you don't need to be condescending. We're, don't be we're just we're looking for birds and we're enjoying it. We're yeah. having a good time. Yeah. Um, we also had California towhee. That was our other life. Yeah. So we got a ways down the road and decided like it was getting hot. Like I think it there, reached like ninety five that day. There, there. So the couple days that we were there, they're having a heat wave, and I think it was triple digits in Pinnacles. For like the last three days in a row. And it's like the end of September and they're getting into triple digits still. Yeah. And so Debbie had warned us, like, you got to get out there early. It's going to be hot. Yeah. So it's it's toasty. Yeah. Toasty out there in, in Central California. Um, so 
went down the road a ways, saw some really cool things. Um, we'd heard there were Lawrence's goldfinches on it. We saw some goldfinches that we talked ourselves into American goldfinch. They were probably Lawrence's, but... We're not going to call it. I don't even think they got listed as anything. I think I completely... Omitted them. No, I think I might have put Passerine SP, maybe. Yeah, I think so. Um, so that's not a complete checklist. <laughs> uh, Passerine SP? It's, I, I couldn't identify it. I'm just teasing. So. But, like, you know, <laughs> if we see a lifer, we want like, a good look at yeah, it. Yeah, you want a good look, or if it's something obvious, like a black rail or something, a good, a good <laughs> listen to it. Yeah. Um, so we've heard they were down there. Uh, we, like I said, we saw some goldfinches and just, like, didn't want to make the call. Yeah. Um, and then we'll, just... We'll have to get down there again then. Oh no. Oh dang. So we decided to turn around since it was getting warm, um, and head to Pinnacles, which is what, like five miles down the road? Yeah, I don't even know if it was five miles from there. It was, it was close. Yeah, it took like five minutes. So we got to Pinnacles. It was definitely warm, which I was, I was thinking was going to be perfect because the, the, oh. the condors would be taken off, which... Incidentally, they were. It was perfect. <laughs> we're so stupid, though. Like, I went to the bathroom, like, near the visitor center, and we're, like, looking around everywhere. We're like, there's no condors. Where are these condors supposed to be? <laughs> and then some guy that was on the Plagic with us the day before was there, and he came up to us, and he's like, did you guys see the condors? And we're like, no, where are they? And he pointed out to the top of the ridge, like, a mile away, and he's like, right in that tree. It's like, oh, of course. <laughs> And we, and we look in the tree, and there was like six, I think. Yeah. Just hanging on the tree. And it's like, oh, that's awesome. So we sit in there, look at them for a few minutes. Then we kind of wander around the grounds, trying to look for Lawrence's goldfinches still. Yeah. And, and no go. Yeah. yeah. Weren't there, sat for a few minutes, waited for them to come if they were going to come. And then condors started taking off and flying over us. Yeah. It was, it was perfect. I wish I would have had my camera ready. I got one picture, or two pictures, but... It was, they were cool. It was, I was more looking through the binoculars than, than through the camera. I was just like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. These things are monsters. Especially after our interview with, uh, Travis Coons. with Travis, like about all the work that's gone into, like the background that's gone into getting these guys back, back into the wild where their, mm -hmm. their numbers are down to 42, where there's nothing, not a sustainable population. And now they've had, they're and up to a thousand. They're, they're up to a thousand that have been, that have been released, right? No, hatched. That have been hatched. Yeah. A thousand, so, so many. And I, I think it was, like, I don't know, so, so many, like, almost a full success story, but it's a successful well, story. Yet. Like, it's, it's pretty awesome. They're making, making awesome strides and all the work. That it's, I'm just stumbling over everything. Because it was, it was, it was awesome to watch He's the condors. Awestruck still. I was awestruck still. It was, it was so cool to see the condors. And, and it, it was really cool that you could identify what number it was. Yeah. And there's a website, right, that yes. you looked at? Yeah, so I went, I can't remember the exact URL, I'll probably put it in the sure. show notes, but uh, it was a um, website that you can go on for condor spotting, and it'll give you um, when it was born, what location it was born in, its parents, and if it has any siblings. And it'll and they're just all identified by their numbers. So it was black number 75, is what I saw. And 97. No? Whatever. What? It whatever, whatever it was, I, I was able to look at the parents, look up um, when, I think one of the parents died, one of the parents is still alive, I was able to look at when it was born, it was born, um, I think two, I think it was 2000, the one that I saw was 2004, down in uh, um, the Wild Animal, the wild park. animal park. In San Diego. In San Diego. So it was, like, it was like, cool, like, okay, I know exactly where that, that individual, I know where he came, where it came from. You know its ancestry. I, I know its ancestry. It's, it was kind of interesting. I mean... We don't get that with most birds. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> most birds, it's I don't even know if it's male or female. It's just a it's a <laughs> flying bird way up high doing its thing. But but that was that was really cool and just like like remembering like how much like work like the Travis and the, the teams that he is now helping to lead are working and getting done to get those guys back out in the wild. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah. Um, so our last stop that we had identified was for uh, Cassin's Kingbird that Debbie had found um, on some country road, uh, Santa Ana Valley Road, Yeah. Uh, which is, I mean, it's a very small little community. I think there's probably like, what, 10 houses in there? 
But yeah, something like that. I, th I think it's all it's it's farmland. Yeah. So it's they're or maybe it's ranch land. Whatever they're, I think there's there cows. So I think it's ranch. Yeah. They were, they, they're working the land out there. But anyways, it just <laughs> it seems like a place you would just like zip on past. Oh yeah. And I think ninety percent of people probably just zip on past that area. Yeah, but um, she had had I think it was like three Kasson's kingbirds mm -hmm. in that area. So we had to go see if we could find those because of course those would be lifers too. Yep. Um, headed down. There's like it's like the roads goes off to the left and then like that Santa Ana road goes off to the left past a house and ends up at like a, a gravel road, mm -hmm. I think. Wasn't that it? And so we kind of went up and down that road once or twice because that's where the main hotspot had, or it looked like it the, was yeah, the, the, G, the GPS coordinates were like right there and that, the, and the habitat looked good for it. Cause there were, there were the, the poles for them to perch on or the, the power lines for them to perch on. And there was a, also a tall fence there that's, um, good hunting grounds. Good, good hunting, good receptive to perching. So it was like, okay, this is all perfect area for kingbird. Yeah. So um, drove around. Finally, after like five ten minutes, we saw of oh, nothing. We <laughs> saw a bird jump up onto one of the lines. It's like, oh, this is here. It is. We got it. I know. I was like, ah, that's easy. That's easy. We got it. You know, I mean, we had like ten minutes of nothing, but we got it. Yes. <laughs> Um, ended up being a Saves Phoebe. Yeah, which, which was kind of, which was exciting. It was a lifer. Because it's a lifer too, which, yeah. which probably shouldn't be, because they're, they occur in Oregon pretty regularly. My motto is but, just going to be like, you, you know, got to get it sometime. Yeah, eventually. Everybody has gotten an American Robin at one point in their life. That's true. I, well, not everybody, <laughs> but. But there, there's, wherever you live, there's always a common bird that it took you longer than you feel like you should have. It's but, like evening first speak. Like yeah. we're probably not even gonna see evening first speak this year. I'm probably I'm probably gonna grow to be an old man and die and never seen an evening gross beak. That makes me sad. <laughs> I'll see I'm gonna see ten thousand four hundred birds and evening gross beak will not be one of them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But so Sage Phoebe hopped up on the line. It was like nice and showy. I think I got I think I got some pictures of it. Um, it just it just hung out. It was Beautiful awesome. Bird. It was it was really really showy. It was hunting, so it was good. Yeah. Um. So then we decided after driving around a little bit more. I guess we missed it. I guess they flew off. Yeah. We're terrible birders. You know that. No, whole... we didn't. Think, we didn't think that. <laughs> we, we, that. we were very positive still because we yeah, were like we had Sage Phoebe. We, we got Sage Phoebe. This is awesome. We we had I think at that point in the day we had seven lifers. Yeah. So it was like we're this is this is awesome. We're having a good day. <laughs> we're out seeing birds. Yeah. Um, but then we started driving towards town because we need to get gas and mm -hmm. and head on our way. Because I stupidly drove out there without getting gas first. So Story we're, of our we're life. I think we had like thirty miles left on the tank <laughs> or twenty five miles left on the tank or something. <laughs> Almost had so to call like, AAA. Getting close. Um, and then Eric spotted in somebody's <laughs> driveway there was like a power pole or a light pole or something in somebody's driveway i used to work as a as a telecom lineman so i can't help but just stare at the lines anyways it's aside so from birds places so i i'm i'm always looking at interesting uh <laughs> ar arrangements of the on, the on the lines how the power lines especially yeah. in california because they do this weird thing with california arms where they it's something about climbing and it's technical and doesn't interest anyone but, <laughs> but no, no, go ahead. No, it's fine. So if you want to know more, email Eric. <laughs> but we we're driving along and I'm staring at the lines, and all of a sudden this bird, out and back, and it's like, oh, that's kingbird. That's kingbird behavior. Here we go. So we I whipped off into the into their driveway because it was it was down the driveway of a house, and they have a fence up in front of the driveway to keep people from driving down the driveway like I was going to do mm -hmm. and we, so we parked right there at the entrance and uh there it was on the top of a pole right, right on the top of a pole hanging out next to a transformer yeah well Cassin's kingbird so that worked out um from that point on we had to drive north uh to get back to the San Francisco area mm -hmm. and we stopped at Hayward Regional Shoreline which was kind of an interesting spot there was a big wetland area but also it's on the landfill um, so you get some like, well, I mean, it's a landfill that's been like covered up. Yeah. I think, I think the hot, one of the hot spots there is called like garbage mountain. Oh, it was tra Mount Trashmore. Mount Trashmore. That's what it was. Mount yeah. Trashmore. But it's also along the like 
inlet in between like San Francisco and the mainland. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you'd get some good birds on there. Of course, it was a little bit later in the day and it was really and windy. It was windy and hot. So, so we didn't get much. N- not a lot of bird activity. But it's like the number one hotspot in that area. Yeah. So, might check it out at a different time. A different time of day would have been perfect. Um, The lighting where the the sun was at was causing a lot of glare. So, or maybe earlier in the morning would probably be good. I think I was cranky too, so I just... Yeah. Yeah. I was done. Yeah, it was was a combination. We, we, they had gone long, so we're, we're ready for a beer. Again. Um, (laughs) yeah, so we actually picked up some beers at Three Rock Brewing, which that was really good too. Yeah, I didn't have, have any sours though. No, but they had a giant selection of fries and fry toppings. <laughs> yeah. So that was that was interesting. Get like a fry nacho. Yeah. Which is always good when they just pile a bunch of just junk onto a pile of fries. <laughs> and then you end up eating with a fork. That's good. Especially when, you, when there's jalapenos. When you have to eat fries with a fork, then it's good. <laughs> <laughs> you know those fries are good. Um, and then the next morning we got up and we went to a place that we will definitely have to go back because we only were able to drive through before on our way out. Um, it was San Pablo Bay National Wildlife Refuge. It's on the map. Like it doesn't even look like it's anything on the map. It's just like a green area that goes into the inland or mm-hmm. into the, um, the bay there. And it, it doesn't look like there's trails or anything. So I was like, Oh, it's just one of those national wildlife refuges where it's just land that they're setting aside that we don't get to go to. Which okay. is all good. Yeah, it's all good. No it's way. conservation doing its thing. But I just, I hadn't planned it because it was like, well, I didn't think you could get there. Yeah, I didn't. Because I didn't do my research. Yeah, there we go. Story of our life. For shame. <laughs> but anyways, there were a ton of ducks oh my and gosh. geese and lots of stuff. It was, it was piled full and we don't. It's right on the highway, so you got to be careful. Yeah, it's, there's a, there's a couple of parking, parking areas. Or I think one parking area and a couple pullouts. Yeah. But it's oh my gosh, the birds were fantastic. For yeah. the for the like the thirty seconds that we had time since we were on the road. Yeah. <laughs> we we pulled over thirty seconds and oh we gotta keep going. <laughs> so we, we made a couple a couple short lists, but it was it was pretty spectacular birding. Yeah, so definitely, definitely. get out there if yeah. you get a chance. Absolutely. Don't miss it. Um so yeah, man, it was a fun couple days in yeah. California for our pre, what were we calling it? Our California pre-Europe extension. Our, pre, our pre-Europe extension into California. Yeah. <laughs> so, so right now we are in Sweden and we are getting ready to go on a cruise Yep. after having spent the last uh, five days. Yes. Five days birding all around Sweden. So look forward to that. We'll... We'll be t- definitely talking about that next time. Let me do f- some foreshadowing. It's beautiful. It's amazing. The birds are fantastic. The people are amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's about it for this week. So thank you guys all for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Hope you learned something. Hope you learned something new. Learned something you already knew. And gosh, thank you so much to everybody that contributed um, one way or another. Debbie, like I said, it was a joy to meet you if you're listening. And... I just really appreciate <laughs> you having us out on your boat and all the other people that were out on the boat. You know, it was a really fun trip. Um, and then, of course, the eBird and, you know, how we planned our trip through California with eBird. Yeah. So, thank you all. Yeah, thank, thank you, everyone. And thank you to anyone who would rate, review, and subscribe to us. Yeah, you. Uh, on awesome. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Music. Your Alexa speaker, your smart speaker. I don't think they do. Your smartphone. Reviews. You can you can review a speaker. Well, don't review the speaker on our. Oh, review podcast. us through the speaker. Yeah. However that works. Alexa, Hannah and Erica Birding get five stars. They are wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> you you can you can rate us in a lot of different places. You can just send us an email too. Podchaser. Yeah. Um. If you'd like to connect with us, you can connect with us at uh, Hannah and Erica Birding on Facebook. Or Hannah Goes Birding and Eric Goes Birding. Hannah with an H, Eric with a K. On Instagram, we've got We Go Birding on Twitter. Yep. And we've got Hannah and Eric Go Birding at gmail.com. And we also, da 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 da, it's not new anymore, but, <laughs> but I feel, still feel like it's new. We have our website going, it's still, still up and live. We should be posting some more stuff on our website hopefully soon. Maybe. But there's, there's, there's stuff to look at on there. Go ahead and go, go view some stuff. It's, uh, it's gobirdingpodcast.com and um, I can't remember if I said this in previous episodes or not I have 
I've been trying to compile stuff of for women birding. So if you'd send me any women field guides that you've met, liked, are friends with, and also any articles um, or books that have been written that include women and maybe women in recreation because that's what I find interesting. Um, <laughs> In no. all in all outdoor recreation. Yeah, or women in birding. Yeah. Not so Mostly much like, birding. I'm not like golf. Like, don't send me that. Not sports. Yeah. Okay. Mostly birding. Thanks. Well, thank you. <laughs>